friend. Welcome back to another podcast with me, your colleague in medicine and coach in life, Dr. Freaking Aaron Wiseman. I'm so glad to be joining you today. And I'm sitting across the table from an attorney. You know, so many times that's a big, scary place to be for a physician. But today is one that I absolutely enjoy. I have the pleasure of interviewing Amanda Hill, JD, out of Austin, Texas. She's going to talk about how she helps doctors, her website, guardmypractice.com, and also that it doesn't have to be a big boogeyman that's coming after all of us. We can actually enjoy our life and be legally taken care of. So even if you don't own your own practice or you don't really need legal advice, I'd love you to join us in this conversation. All right, here we go. Welcome to the podcast. I love having a lawyer as a friend, just so you know. My friend, Amanda Hill. Thanks for joining me here today. Well, thank you for having me. How exciting. Absolutely. Well, tell the people out in podcasting world a little bit about yourself and the magic you are putting into the world. Well, I'm a health lawyer in Austin, which I love being a health lawyer. It was an interesting path to get here. But once I linked on to doctors, you just couldn't pry me away. <laughs> so that's been fun. I've been doing it for 21 years. And then all of a sudden, after you know a long career in this, I woke up, it was around the holidays, and I thought, I am so tired. You know, you get to that point where you know it's not you don't realize you're in burnout until you start burning out. And you say, I'm tired. And really the death knell was I had to negotiate some pretty big corporate deals. You know, we were talking 20, 30 million dollar deals. And I was mired in documents and I just spent day after night, you know, editing and reviewing and doing tedious work of lawyers. And I thought there is more to life than this. And so I decided there's, what do I love about my job? Because this isn't what I love. I don't love being a corporate lawyer. And I thought, well, I really love talking to doctors. I mean, that's what I got into this for. That's what I really enjoy doing. And so I had to pivot and it wasn't easy, but now I'm, I'm kind of trying to get back to my first love, which is talking to doctors. I love it. I love it so much. And so your word today is protection and we're going to jump into that and talk about how you offer that to me and my physician colleagues. So talk about why protection was your word. Well, I, that's kind of a theme with the new company I'm launching uh, in a week. It's so exciting. It's called guard my practice and it's all about protection, right? Cause the, there really was an outcry from what I was hearing when I was going to talk to doctors every day, it was, this sucks. You know, <laughs> we are bombarded with Medicare regulations. There's so many rules. It's like, can't we just like go in a concierge practice? I'm sick of this. I'm sick of the you know, CPT codes and the no, always feeling like there's a boogeyman coming to get us. Like Medicare is after us. Like we always feel like someone's telling us we're doing something wrong. You know, since when do insurance companies determine what's medically necessary? What the hell? You know, it's just gotten out of control. And they do, in my perception, feel overwhelmed and lost, right? It's like, we don't want to do this anymore. I I'm so tired of feeling like we're one misstep away from violating some law that we didn't know existed. And I want physicians to feel safe. But also, you know, I don't want it to be like a weird, like an abusive captor relationship, like feel safe by hiring me by the hour. You know, that's not what I want either. I want physicians to feel empowered to make their own decisions and practice medicine, not because I'm a health lawyer, but because I'm a human, like who lives in this country, you know, and we need to have healers 
that feels safe. You know, it's like anyone in a war zone does not feel that they can be their best when they have someone firing at them. And I've started to sense over 20 years that it grew more and more and more, you know, impossible for someone to be a physician because they just don't know how to navigate it all. I mean, everything from negotiating your contract to negotiating business deals to fraud and abuse regulations, compliance, HIPAA, you know, it's just become this soup that they're swimming in. And they would come to me, you know, and pay me by the hour to solve their problems. I'm like, there's got to be a better way where we can help doctors feel empowered and safe and protected. And that's the word I really honed in on when I created Guard My Practice. I want them you to feel like you're protecting yourself. You know, you know how to navigate these murky waters because it is hard. I tell you, in the regular world of business, you can do all kinds of nonsense and not get in trouble. You can have referral agreements. You can do side deals. You can do all kinds of, you know, business relationships and money can change hands and nobody thinks one iota about it. But in healthcare, you can go to jail. <laughs> so that's quite different in my opinion. So I feel really bad that doctors have to navigate by themselves. Yeah. So talk about guard my practice. I'm interested to hear how have you set this up? Cause my brain is like rolling. I'm like, Oh shit, is this going to be like more homework that we have to do? <laughs> yes, yes. Or how do homework. you help how do you help us Amanda and make it easy? Uh, well, first of all, I hate lawyers. I'm a lawyer, right? But lawyers are dull and dry and nobody wants to hear from a lawyer like droning on about, you know, statistics or numbers or regulations. And one of the places that I really enjoy is being in front of doctors. Like I want to sit down like over coffee or wine and say like, "Okay, how can I help you guys the most in, in the next half an hour? And so I thought, well, I'll just take that urge to want to sit down with people and talk and I'll put it in a video. So I created these 15 minute videos and their topics, everything from, you know, how to negotiate your contract, how to deal with your nurse practitioner. How does that look like for you? Or what about an employee manual? Do you have one? Do you know what I mean? like everything about the world of operating a business? And of course there's stuff on fraud and abuse. You know, what does anti-kickback mean for you? you know, you're not taking bribes under the table. Does this really matter? You know? Yeah. And let me tell you why, or everybody thinks they know about HIPAA, but here are the things that are going to really trip you up because I see them on a daily basis. And I want you to know about them and learn how to protect yourself. So I tried to make engaging content, which is, I know kind of a oxymoron when it comes with lawyers and engaging content, (laughs) but I want doctors to be interested, right? You're going to sit there and look at my face 15 minutes every week. It needs to be something entertaining and interesting and informative and bite-sized pieces that you could digest. You know, I'm not going to write a compendium of law and try to talk to you about it. So it, it can be as simple as like, here are three things that you need to know, right? When you are dealing with a government auditor, keep these three things in mind. This is really important, you know, boom. And that's, that's my takeaway this week. Something as simple as that can really help issue spot. Doctors are sometimes, you know, really good at issue spotting because that's what you, you know, differential diagnosis is what you do for a living. They're very fact-driven. So if I can help you issue spot things and say, now this, you need to go to your lawyer about, that's really, that's going to get you in real trouble. This other issue, I'm going to try to teach you as much as I can so you can empower yourself and just kind of help them navigate these waters. My goal is that after the entire year of this program, they will feel 100% more protected than they are today. And I love that too, that you do a video a week. That feels very doable to me versus a, let me give you everything in six weeks that you need to know. And I probably only do like 5% of it. Right. Well, we have like information overload. There's always like a masterclass and a this and then three week thing and a weekend away. Nobody has time for that. And so what I wanted is, and in fact, I would make them probably shorter, but I 
qualified them for CME, which is a helpful tool for all docs, right? So it qualifies for 14 hours of CME, really just by listening to me every week, just having these helpful tips is just going to earn you CME, whether you want to or not. No. Um, but it's, it's important to get the 15 minutes with CME, but also I really wanted to break it down. And I think one topic a week is enough. You know, let's just this week we're going to focus on. And in fact, I break it down even further. Like I have a three part series, you know, just on contracts, right? Because one week is literally only talking about compensation. And then one week we'll only talk about the non-compete, you know, and, and next week we're going to only talk about the termination. How do you get out? What does it mean when you get out? What strings are attached? And I do the same thing with a lot of topics, right? You can't talk about compliance in 15 minutes and that's boring. You know, then you just talk on 30,000 foot things that nothing matters. So I want to get into the nitty gritty. I'll break it down. And so anyway, I, I really like talking to doctors. I used to have a job years and years ago where I was the director of patient relations for a group, which was kind of odd because I was their lawyer and I helped, helped them with their legal work. But I also flipped the switch and would just listen to really angry patients. <laughs> like when it got to me, it meant they were angry. You know, they, this has not been resolved at the clinic level. And so it was really interesting to hear what their stories were you know, just what they were really angry about. They want to be heard. A lot of times it was just them getting shuffled around. And for someone to say, I have cleared my desk and all I want to do is listen to what's going on. And, you know, sometimes I would call a doctor and I would say, I want you to call Miss Smith. And I want you to say that you're so sorry that there was a delay and that she couldn't get in. You, they're like, I don't even see her. Why is she mad at me? Like, just call her, you know, and they could resolve the issue so easily by just acknowledging, right, that someone has been trying for two weeks to get in the door. And hearing from the patients, I think, has really been helpful. Also, you know, I used to shadow doctors, and that was a re really interesting job. I would go in there during the day. I'd, I'd say, like, I'm writing an article on the day of a doctor and get the patient's permission. And I would go in there and view their behaviors. And these were usually doctors that got low, like low patient satisfaction scores. And I would say, what is going on here? Like, why do your patients hate you? I mean, what's, why are you pissing everyone off? And my CEO was like, well, they, you probably won't be able to notice anything because they're going to be on their best behavior because like you're watching them. Every time I could see what was going on and why they were pissing people off because it wasn't something they intended to do, right? <laughs> no doctor's like, I want to make patients angry today. So they filed board complaints against me. I mean, they want to do the right thing, but they don't realize they were coming across as like an elitist or snobbish or aloof. They just don't know. And so that was really interesting to go through that. So, you know, I've had other jobs besides just being a lawyer. And I think that being in healthcare for so long, being in the trenches with the docs have really helped me understand their world a lot better. Absolutely. You know, it, it is so important. And that's, 90% of problems are communication breakdowns. Being a physician leader, that's what I've noticed, is like Betty Sue and Nurse Amy Lou are pissed at each other, not because somebody did something wrong or hurt a patient, but, you know, it's like communication breakdowns. And I think that's so often the case, especially now as we are all in medical silos, when the right hand right. isn't talking to the left hand and, and people have to go through like 7,000 steps on a phone tree to actually talk to a real person, it does become super frustrating and, and not being heard. And I love that you've had that experience of, of knowing that. And I love the two, the like the quote unquote bad doctors. <laughs> right. Yeah. This bad doctor who can't seem to get his patient sat scores. Well, you know what? I have a funny story about that. So there was a surgeon who's so good, right? Clinically on top of it, really, really, 
outstanding surgeon. So we didn't want to let him go. You know, it's why would you let go of a really phenomenal surgeon? But he was making our satisfaction scores go in the toilet. Everybody would say he's mean, he's rude, he's gruff. You know, he doesn't get back to you on time. You know, your surgery may go well, but like he's a crappy guy. And uh, so I, I met with him and, and I watched him with patients. And it's kind of like, yeah, let's see where they're coming from. You know, like he, you walk in and he was like, I see you're here for surgery. It is going to be Tuesday at four. Here are your x-rays. You know, and I looked and I finally afterward, I said, do you ever use any empathetic statements like at all? <laughs> so what we ended up doing was we made these note cards, no lie. We made note cards with empathy statements on them. And one of them would say like, ouch, that hurts. And the other one would say like, I am so sorry to hear that. And then I would say, I'm a patient and I come in for back problems and my back is breaking and I'm literally in serious pain. What would you say? And he would say, ouch, that hurts. And we had to role play that. And sure enough, he said, this is, this is dumb. This just doesn't sound right. And I was like, the fact that it doesn't sound right is because you never use those words and you need to get that in your head. And he just started using more empathy statements of patients. His satisfaction scores went through the roof. It was like, that's all it really took. You know, his clinical skills are fine, but sometimes you're right. Communication is huge. And also a lot of times in employment, I deal a lot with employment law, just because when you deal with doctors and they have people that work for them, there's going to be conflict. This is inherent in any medical practice, especially during COVID when everyone's on edge, you know, like we're, we're the people that are there, you know, the healthcare always is there no matter what's going on in the world. And so it's high tension. And I always tell them, do not let these things fester, right? If those nurses that you're referred to earlier are fighting, you got to get them in the room like early, you know, and resolve it and discuss it and get it out there. And like things like sexual harassment, you know, those things you cannot let fester, they just get worse and worse. And then they get to me and I'm like, holy cow, this has been going on for six months. Nobody dealt with it. Nobody interviewed anyone. We didn't have an investigation. Like what? And then you're talking like, let me negotiate a big settlement for you because of your inability to deal with this. And a lot of people magically think things will just go away, you know, if they just don't deal with them. Same with billing and coding. Oh, that's the worst. It's like, well, we didn't really think they would come after. I, we're just a little podunk clinic in East Texas. Who cares about us? Why would they care what we do over here? And that is a real misconception. I have to talk to doctors about a lot. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just that life skill of like having hard conversations. Just because it feels bad doesn't mean it's wrong. I've had to do that multiple times with employees to just have those hard conversations. And usually it results in a positive result. You know, sometimes, yeah, you have to let people go. It's not the right fit, but the same ways it's, and this is what pisses me off so much with patient care. If you can't even have hard conversations with your employees, with your colleagues, how are you going to have hard conversations with your patients? When you're like, no, I'm not giving you Oxycontin anymore. Like we right. are going to develop. I mean, that's why we're in the cluster that we're in with so many different things and not just even opiates. I mean, I've seen people being on ridiculous medication regimes and I'm like, who did this? You know? And they're like, well, I sold this thing. So I told my doctor about it. And I'm like, doctor, get a fucking spine and like right. talk about these things. Just because, and and that's because I have a big beef with patient satisfaction. You will never be a hundred percent, and if if you are, that's a problem. If everybody is happy with you, then just like being on the lower end of things, like there's something a little stinky here that needs to be. Oh, amen. And Aaron, I can't tell you the number of times I saw, I say to doctors, if all of your scores on Yelp and you know all the random review sites are five stars, we have a problem. 
Mm-hmm. Right. If there is not one bad review, then that is not realistic. And it looks like you're paying for people to give you good reviews. Yeah. And so the fact that you have a couple trashy reviews means it's normal. And this is humanity. And there are some trolls out there. And that's okay. You don't have to try to take down every negative. You know, you've made it when you have trolls. That's what I that's tell Betty right. in business. Amen. You know you've made it. You know that you're out there and you're not everybody's doctor. No, you're not for everybody. And read the review. If it's like, okay, I mean, that's not something I'm really worried about, that that person said that I'm conspiring with the FBI to control her mind. Okay, we're going to let that review go because no one's going to pay attention to that. Or if it's like a long wait time, you know, those things happen, weights stack up. But yeah, I mean, you can't make everybody happy. And another thing I say is like, I counsel a lot of doctors when they quit a job. You know, interesting, hard conversations involves a lot of things. One, it's with your employees, right? You have to stand up and say, I'm going to make a hard decision. Another is negotiating your contract. You know, as you know, right, you have to make, you have to have difficult decisions. Nobody likes to talk about money. That's a real taboo thing in our world. And it makes you feel like you're going to piss someone off if you ask for more money and that we have to dispel and we have to be fact-driven negotiators, right? And so, and then I always say, you can be cheerful and happy and get what you want. You know, my Southern roots start popping up, but you know, it's like, yes, of course you need to negotiate what you're worth. Absolutely. You have to have those discussions. If you don't, you are only failing your family. And you're going to be the only person that loses. Yes. You're resentful because you start seeing other people being paid more because all they did was ask. So those hard conversations come about in multiple different ways. And sometimes a hard conversation is with the patient saying, I'm terminating you as a patient. That's really hard. Doctors are terrible. They will let patients abuse them for years. You know, speaking of opioids or whatever the issue is that they keep coming back. And the doctor's like, you're non-compliant. I've told you that we can't do this certain thing. You keep, I mean, this isn't working, but they just let the patient continue to come and berate them and be terrible. At some point, like give them notice, cut it loose. No, because they'll give bad complaints against me. I'm like, it's okay. (laughs) You know, every once in a while it's called your dignity. So there is a lot of hard conversations. The doctors have to have with patients. And like you were saying too, Hard conversations with your employer before you slap down that resignation notice. That needs to take place too. Right. And well, and sometimes, interestingly, the opposite, which is you have to really strategically think about what you want to say. Sometimes you, you, and I talk to doctors about being really strategic. If you are quitting a job because it's really not a good fit and you just, there's like little personal things that piss you off about the people you work for, that's one thing. If you're quitting a job because there's a pattern and practice of harassment in your clinic and you feel that there are billing and coding errors and one doctor seems to be the magical over coder and biller that things are put on his schedule when he's not in town and, you know, and his MPI number is being used when he's not, that's fraud. And if you see that going on and you raise that to your practice and they're like, oh, stay in your lane, you know, whatever, stop harassing our partners, then you need to make that known before you leave. And that is hard. I tell you that's hard. But if you don't put that complaint in the record there and make sure you tell them before you leave, sometimes it's too late, especially with like harassment. You need to tell your employer. Yeah, you'll be liable. Well, you will be liable for that fraud because you were part of that practice. You definitely cannot be a part of it thinking, well, I'm not the main one involved. I, yeah, I definitely have to bring that forward. And even just to protect yourself, like before you leave, you put in that complaint. You know, you want to make sure that you made the practice aware before you put in your notice. So things like timing matters, um, but also like, you know, be strategic about it. If you're going to tell your practice they're doing something terrible, is it because you're protecting yourself or you're just your ego needs to spew out some stuff? 
if it's just for your own use and it doesn't really help you legally or strategically, then maybe don't, you know, I mean, again, it's just like, think it through, you know, some doctors put in their leave or their notice, you know, like 90 day notice before they leave a job. And then they just feel like it's open season. You know, they're like, well, you suck and you're terrible. I hate this job. And then they end up getting fired and they're like, what? I was in my, what happened? So sometimes I'm like, put your nose down, get out of this toxic environment and move on with your life. You know, it's not worth it at this point. They're not committing fraud. There's no whistleblower action. It's not really harassment. It's just, you just don't like these people. Then leave and move on. And that's also powerful to know when to walk away from a job. Some doctors, just like the patients that abuse them, they'll stay in a job for a long time thinking, well, I don't know where else to go or there's nothing else available to me, which of course isn't true. Doctors are in such demand. There's always something else. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Don't let those golden handcuffs and those, I mean, they really are a toxic, abusive relationship. Right. Like don't get stuck in that cycle. See it for what it is and move on from it. Man, I worked at the VA for six years and I will tell you, it's the VA is an interesting, any government job, right? Where you think, wow, these benefits are nice. And I get to work this flex schedule. And I mean, I better not leave this job. And then all of a sudden you get into it and you're like, I'm either going to stay here forever or I'm going to make a leap. You know, you have to, there's a certain period of time you're going to make that call. I jumped because it really wasn't the best fit for me to work for the government. But I saw people that didn't. And some of those doctors are just sort of like, they just kind of carry in their lunchbox, you know, and they plop down. And I feel like they've just given up. And I don't care if you, I mean, some people are still very vibrant and work for the government, but don't be in a job where you just feel like you have just give up because you've just relegated yourself to this misery. <laughs> That's like, what a way to live. That's terrible. So I, I got out just because it was too, I needed a different type of life than that. No, you don't need your soul sucked out at work every single day. Correct. You were put on this earth more than just to pay bills and die. Right. Really. And there's so many opportunities. And that's what I keep encouraging people is like, yeah, it feels scary and uncertain. And you don't know what the, the next step might be, but you know that it's not this. Right. And that's an important designation. All right, Amanda. So tell us more about... Guard my practice. Tell us about if there is, you work specifically in Texas, right? So as a lawyer, I work in Texas. My law firm is based in Texas, but guard my practice is nationwide, which is exciting and terrifying at the same time, because it's a big, huge adventure that I'm going on. I'm on the flight. So let's hope it works because I'm in the air friend. So let's see who signs up on day one, but it's fun. It's yeah. 15 minute videos every week. I mean, it's pretty much that simple. It's a platform where you can go and you get great content from me. I try to make it interesting. I really scrutinize these scripts. I write them myself. I edit them. Myself. I mean, I really focus on what does a doctor really want to hear about this particular topic. And then I have a community. I mean, this thing is I have learned about life, parenting, friendship is we have to have a village, you know, I mean, Hillary was right or whoever said it. I thought it was her. We have to have a village. It's impossible to live alone. And so I want people to get on my guard, my practice, you know, community page and float new ideas. I mean, you know, I'm always creating content. I'm like, I'm going through year one, but girl, there's a year two. And so we're going to figure it out together. And I want to know like, what's the burning issue that you guys have that you want me to talk about? I have so many examples of doctors that have done things wrong. <laughs> that I would like to say, let this be a lesson to you. You know, do not ignore this wound until it is infected. You know, you need to deal with this early and here's how. And I mean, to me, it, it's, it feels like a mission field and I don't want to get all corny about it, but when I think who can I make the most difference to in the world, if I didn't get paid a dime, the wisdom that I can share about things 
that I've seen go wrong and let that be a lesson so you don't create the same mistakes is to me part of my mission, like on this earth. And I don't know why like doctors are my mission field. That's a bizarre, you know, group to feel like I need to, to, you know, be an example for, but I mean, it's true. I think that I can serve doctors well. So I do consider it like a passion project because I've learned so much in my 21 years. And I'm, honestly, it's like, it's all in my brain. It's like, why do I die someday with all this in my brain? Like I'm getting it all out so I can share with everybody else the mistakes that have been made and how we solve them. And, you know, when I get a phone call from a physician, that's like, uh, I got this letter from Medicaid and it says I owe $450,000. What the hell? What do I do? I mean, that's a panic. Like this is going to shut down my small business type moment. Right. And it is, there's nothing more terrifying than think the government is coming after you. I mean, you know what, I think one of my topics is called, what do you do when the government comes a knocking? You know, like, what do you do? Do you have a plan? And so that's really what I want to talk about. And, you know, I wish I didn't, I wish I could do it for free. I can't because I have to, you know, earn a living, but I really enjoy it is my point. I enjoy talking to doctors about these things and saying, Hey, this happened to this one client and we really had to scramble around to fix it. So maybe think about that beforehand and it can solve you a lot of problems. So that's my goal. So these videos, do they come through email? How do you access them? You pay for a subscription. You can pay by the month. It's like a Netflix, you know, you can pay by okay. year and then they arrive in your inbox. That's it. You just go start here and then they drip out every week. On a side note, I love Wednesdays. That's my favorite day. I celebrate Wednesdays. I give people little gifts on Wednesdays. It's kind of, it's kind of creepy actually how much I like Wednesdays. My kids are always excited because on Wednesdays, there's like a better breakfast, you know, like there's a, there's always like a chalkboard sign that says happy Wednesday. So I really wanted them to drip out on Wednesdays, but apparently that's not workable. And I was like, tragically sad that I can't get these videos out. So now I've decided, forget it. Wednesday's still special. So on my website, I'll just do some fun, you know, answer a question day or something on Wednesdays. That's a side note to say how weird I am that I celebrate a day of the week, but it's still fun. And I I'm excited for doctors to get them every week. You got to embrace the weird, my friend. Fly your freak flag. Yes, of course. I mean, you have Wednesdays. I have tits out Friday. So perfect. You know, there we you all go. have our thing. Yeah. Wednesdays yes. are crazy because it's just this weird middle week. Everyone says hump day, which I think is a weird phrase. Hump day. Like what? Like there's a camel in your week. So I like it because the first year, about 25 years ago, there was a Christmas and a New Year's that fell both on a Wednesday. And I was like, well, that's serendipitous. And then like a friend of mine's birthday was on a Wednesday. And that particular year, like everything happened on Wednesday. And from then on, just christened it like a magical day. And then from then on, sometimes people get random gifts. I, I kind of have a, a fun domestic side to me. Like I, I have chickens. I like to make jam. Like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a pioneer that you're that, multifaceted. Yeah. I have alpaca. You do? You know? Here we go. Oh, Aaron, I had no idea. That's so exciting. Oh, wow. I didn't, do you, do you use the wool for anything? Fiber. We call it fiber. Oh, yes. <laughs> and yes, we, I make yarn out of that it. That is so and, exciting. Um, gift it. I have a friend who's into that. And she called me one day and said, she's going to a spin class. And I was like, I am so proud of you for taking your weight, you know, your health seriously and working out. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm spinning wool or whatever it was fiber. And I was like, what you're doing what? So anyway, but yeah, yeah. I do. I do a lot of that. Let's talk about stuff. pioneer woman. There you go. Well, lady, it's so great to talk with you. I know that folks can just glean so much out of your brain. And I encourage all the listeners, we'll have everything in the show note for Amanda's practice, this new program, Guard My Practice. 
so that you can get in touch with her because she'll save your shit. Well, thank you. I hope to, because otherwise, what's the point? So I hope you learned something. Exactly. And I appreciate this opportunity. Thanks, Erin. I've heard it takes a village to raise a child. But you know what else? After raising that child and once that kid has grown up, it takes a community to care for them. Communities are what keeps us sane. They help us heal our trauma. They dance with us when we're winning. Without my online communities, I would have never made it through burnout. And I certainly would have gotten through the shitstorm of this pandemic either. If you too need community, I want to invite you over to my badass Slack group. That's right, I'm not going to be on Facebook, but I do love me some Slack. It's a place where you'll find that you're not the only one. You're not alone. You'll get total validation on what's going on with you. There's a pool of resources. Community is active and rating to welcome you in. We are all helpers who have needs. And sometimes we need to have a community that can surround us, protect us, give us a hug, and lift us up. And that's what the badass Slack community is. So come join me today. Link is in the show notes. I don't know if you've noticed, but we are getting awfully close to the 400th episode. And I want to invite you to be a part of it. If this podcast has meant something to you, if you've learned something, if you've done something because of it, click in the show notes, hit that link, and send me an audio clip on how Dr. Me First has truly helped you to doctor yourself first. I'm working at the co-working today, so you may hear some extra voices in the background, but I do want to encourage you and remind you that your life, your calling, your pulse truly matters. See ya! Heavy lids, one, two.